Welcome, friends, to the February 2021 Extra AF. I'm Keenan. And I'm Ashley. And this is the Extra episode where we talk about what happened this month in history, what happened this month that is history, and then we read your emails. I feel like we kind of jinxed it, or I jinxed it. Next month, there won't be any disasters. True. Like, here we are, <laughs> surviving yet another one. Ugh, so much poor move to texas and louisiana they said it will be warm they said <laughs> i literally i need to post the video i took to tiktok <laughs> i walked from our house to cvs and it was like an inch of ice on top of like eight inches of snow <laughs> to walk there it was awful and i literally was like move to louisiana they said it'll be fine it'll never snow in a while we've only been here what barely two years yeah yeah and then as soon as we get here, it's like fucking ice storm for Arkansas weather. <laughs> like, what is happening? Well, we just shelled out so much money to repair our pipes. I am hurting. Oh, yeah. We'll get into it. <laughs> yep. But it, did anything good happen this month? Try not to be a Debbie Downer. <laughs> Silence. Um, I don't know. I haven't seen the outside. Today was my first day, like being outside, really since Valentine's weekend. So, oh wow! Still, the COVID can't go anywhere. Can't do anything. Yeah, Murray. Okay, buddy. I oh, love you. Bless his heart. I love you, but you gotta go. I am busy. He's just like I need to tell you about this dog outside. <laughs> It's okay. My dog's in the background, like, running all over the place. Yeah. Only thing I can think of is that, uh, ow! <laughs> Just punched me in the face! <laughs> I was trying to think today, I was like, what good has happened this moment? All I could think of is like, well, you know, I started making TikToks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you started making TikToks, and that one about your poor plants after the snowstorm got a couple thousand views. I know and everybody's just like you dumbass a cactus will grow back <laughs> how are you supposed to know yeah it's like i'm new here don't be mean to me <laughs> well do we want to just jump right into it then hell yeah and i can talk about texas and we can talk about freezing <laughs> yes so i think everybody is aware by now that the south was hit by the polar vortex snowvid 21 Ah, uh, yeah, Snowvid. The apocalypse. Snowzilla. <laughs> Snowmageddon. Most of the South, Midwest, most of the country. I saw a map that showed everything that had snow on it, and it was almost the whole country at one point. Yeah, it was like 75%. Wild. Absolutely wild. But I'm going to be talking about Texas just because it's the most controversial thing right now, just because of the power grid and all that shit and everything that they're doing to us in the aftermath. And just for an opportunity to once again tell Ted Cruz to choke on a bag of dicks. So <laughs> pretty much all of our government right now is on my shit list, but we'll get into it. So it was a very devastating week. There's been around 70 deaths nationwide attributed to the snow, ice, and the temperatures. We still don't even know how many it's going to be because they're still working on going door to door and all that. So we don't actually have a, even though it was last week, we don't have a total for that. And a lot of the deaths are just due to people dying in their own homes because of how cold it got. And that is just so incredibly terrifying for one because your home is your safe place and it's just oh, it's so sad as of yesterday the total in texas was 58 
people have died. Jeez, that's so sad. There's no power still in a lot of places, so you can't get a hold of people. Like, phones have died. So they're still desperately trying to get to everybody and see if everybody's okay. And it's just... And out of the deaths, there was an 11-year-old boy who died in his bed. And he was in Conroe near Houston. And I just found out today he was from Honduras. And this was the first snow he ever saw in his entire life. And then he passed away. And I'm just so heartbroken because he's so young. And his whole life was ahead of him. He'd only been in. While I cry for like a million years. I know. And they just got here two years ago. So they got to Texas about the same time I did. And I'm just, I'm so sad. That's so hard. Like I had already read that story about that, that little boy, but like, that's still so fucking sad. It is. And there was a man in San Antonio. He was older. I didn't catch his age. Nobody said his age, but he had left early the morning, I think Monday to go get dialysis. And then he never showed up and the weather got bad and they found him in his car unresponsive and he had hypothermia Mm -hmm. just trying to get to his doctor's appointment. And it's just, these stories are just everywhere. Some of it's just so difficult to hear because people have been cracking jokes about the South, being like, oh, you can't. And like, but this was just unprecedented. The kind of disaster that we had in the South and people weren't being reckless. It's just we just don't have the system to survive something like this. Yeah, we have zero infrastructure down here. Like we are made for hot and humid. We don't have the insulation in our homes that is needed. We don't have the pipe insulation, the grid systems. They're not set up Mm -hmm. for this. I mean, Louisiana struggles just as bad. Like we still don't have, like we just got water back at work today and like Mm -hmm. the students have been having to pull water from the pool in the fitness center to flush their toilets in the dorms. Mm -hmm. It's been brutal and devastating. And kind of in the beginning of this cold front, I think a lot of people saw in the news the 133 car pileup in Fort Worth, Texas. A lot of places in the South, we don't have plows. You know, especially Texas, there's no plows. They're borrowing them from Oklahoma. And we don't have salt. Like, you cannot even buy salt here. People were going to Home Depot being like, can I get something? And they're like, we don't even sell it. Why would we? It's South Texas. So they were using gravel to try to do something here in the town I'm at. But it's just, but that wreck for hours, I couldn't even get to all the cars. And it was so heart-wrenching. I'm sorry, this is going to be a sad sad. (laughs) And then also the power outages in Texas. I haven't heard what the totals are in other states yet with the carbon monoxide poisoning. But in Texas, there's been at least 300 cases of poisoning. And there have been deaths, but they haven't given totals. I know Houston has released that two people have at least died from the poisoning. A lot of that is also, I I keep hearing online, people being like, how can you be so dumb to do something like that? Well, for one, when you're desperate and you're freezing, you're going to try to heat yourself however you can. And two, if you've never had an ice storm before and you're just trying to get warmth and you get in your car, it might not cross your mind. You should check the tailpipe for ice because if you've never had it before, you might not even know that. So just. Well, and people who didn't grow up around those who use generators don't typically realize that you can't use your generator in your home. Yeah. And so that's another way that people get poisoned. Some I know one article of people who died, they were using their grill inside the house mm-hmm. for warmth that they were desperate. Like they there were, was one story yeah. of a family who their five-day-old baby died 
because it froze to death. Like they're a five day old baby and they were literally chopped up the crib and were burning the crib trying to stay warm. It's devastating. Mm -hmm. Like the things that we had, we had to do, like, I mean, even in Louisiana, like the things that we had to do to stay warm and Mm -hmm. keep supplies going, like it was insane. So just a little compassion. The first day of the storms, so I didn't have power. I had TikTok because I RIP my data plan on my phone. But, you know, at first everybody's like, oh, support Texas and Louisiana and all the, you know, and it just, it gradually turned into how are you so fucking stupid that you guys are literally dying in your houses? Like, how are you freezing to death? Are you morons? Like, it was getting it was so bad. mean. And all I could think of is like, you don't understand what it is like to be down here right now. And for people that have never seen ice before, it was terrifying because we did not know. Like, people this week still don't have power. So this all happened last week while we were recording. And people still don't have stuff. And it's like we were told we don't know if it's going to be a day or it's going to be a month. And you can do a lot of stuff out of desperation if you want to try to keep your family warm and fed. We weren't told how bad it was going to be. I mean, if you're watching the news, it'd be like, oh, it's coming. But if you're in South Texas and it never snows, or if you're in freaking Louisiana where it doesn't snow like this, you yeah. wouldn't know to stock up on canned food and stuff like that because you think, well, of course I'm going to be able to cook. I'm just going to be inside because I can't drive. So there's just a lot to this. I just, a little compassion. <laughs> Not yeah, that I think anybody was, that listens yeah, to this is that kind of an asshole, but just in case it crossed your mind. <laughs> Pass it on to your friends too. Like a little compassion goes a long way. Like I think I was a little better prepared than my neighbors were because Mm -hmm. I grew up in rural Arkansas where when we did get ice storms, we would lose power for three weeks. And like my dad's a little bit of a doomsday prepper. I knew to like fill the tub up with water before it started snowing. So if we Mm -hmm. lost water, which we did, we had water to cook with. We had water to flush the toilets. We had water to bathe with. Mm -hmm. I washed my hair in a pasta pot this week because I had to heat it up on the stove, like stuff like that. And I went and bought like a ton of like non-perishable goods, Mm -hmm. like packets of like mac and cheese and pasta and all that. Like I was better prepared than a lot of my neighbors, but we still got really low on our water, especially once Mm -hmm. our pipes burst and we had to completely turn off our water. But like people don't understand, like the National Guard is down here in Louisiana and Mm -hmm. Texas. Yeah. And like, and giving out water because we're still in such dire need. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, a little bit of compassion. So just pass it on. And as far as like Ashley and I being from Arkansas, ice storms up there are brutal like they'll snap power lines and you'll be out of power for weeks so we're somewhat used to it and then zeke is from basically canada wisconsin so for us you know i'm used to ice storms he's used to snowstorms and this was different being somebody that's lived through this and knows how to do it like this was different and it was and i kept seeing tiktoks people like you don't know cold till you've been in like north dakota and i'm like it's not the same because you're you're built for this we're we're not Yeah. Well, and my husband used to live in Anchorage, Alaska, and he kept saying, like, I did not expect this. This Mm -hmm. is insane. This is awful. Yeah, it was it was really bad. And we knew what to do. Like, we knew how to make a warm room, you know, sealing windows and we knew to run faucets and we knew to, like, put food outside. But a lot of people didn't. It was really it really sucked. That's pretty much all I can say. And here's why it sucks. In the South, houses are built to be cool. Because you got to survive Satan's asshole of a summer. We have like 100% humidity and we have temperatures that are like 100 plus. So our houses are made to be cold. And 
if you have a house like mine, my floors are like ice year yeah. round, even in the summer. Right. So, and it's part of the thing to cool you down. Pipes, like you mentioned earlier, are not insulated in the South. And a lot of places in Texas, I don't know about Louisiana, but our pipes are outside the yes. house. Yeah, yeah. So ours are too. You could have been running water the whole time and they're still going to freeze and burst because it there was no way it wasn't going to. There was yeah. nothing like our kitchen pipes, we have a faucet on the outside, and we didn't even know this until everything started freezing, but the cold water in the kitchens attached to the outside faucet thing. So we had to start in between power outages trying to get like heat guns and hair dryers and warm everything before they burst and wrap everything on the outside. And we lucked out that ours didn't burst, but it was just it's wild because you never think of these things until you move down here and you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we 100% didn't even think about it. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, the pipes are underground. It's no big. No, they yeah, are not. They are not. Are not. <laughs> I learned a lot about our house, and I know you yep. did, too. So it's been interesting. And, like, roads in the south, like I mentioned earlier, we don't have plows. We don't have salt. But we also don't have tires for this. Yep. We all have summer tires. So even if you thought you could drive, like... There's no traction on ice if you have no salt and no winter tires or chains. And the combination was just deadly. So you just couldn't get anywhere. And then the, so what happened with the power in Texas? I know that's been a thing that's trending on Twitter constantly. And people keep on telling me like what they've heard. My uncle posted some weird conspiracy shit on my Facebook yesterday. And I was like, <laughs> You posted that on the wrong Facebook, man. <laughs> Short answer is it was a perfect storm. There was freezing, the deregulation of the energy companies here, the privatized grids, there was too much demand, little supply, and a lot of freak accidents. Because no matter what you do, things are going to break, and things were just breaking at a really unfortunate time here. So it was just normal maintenance stuff. But when you add that with everything else, it was just a huge catastrophe. And no, it was not green energy, no matter what Fox News tells you or whatever the Texas government is saying on Fox News. Oh, it God. was not green energy. And I'll explain why. So Dan Woodfin is the senior ERCOT director. In a press call, he said that 45,000 megawatts of power that was offline across Texas was thermal which includes gas, coal, and nuclear plants. So out of all that, that was 30 out of the 45,000 megawatts of power. No power was immune to this. So renewable sources accounted for about 16,000 megawatts of that power out of the 45. So small potatoes. That includes wind energy, which was responsible for less than 13%. So about three to 4,000 megawatts of this power that was missing. Wow. So... So the turbines could have been easily avoided if they would have bought the cold weather packages when they bought the windmills. Because if you think about it, some really cold ass places in the world have turbines and they're just fine. Like Alaska, everybody has them. <laughs> but it was just because we're like, we're Texas. Why should we spend the extra money? They've never needed them before. It wasn't a big issue. And I heard by like the third day, they were all working again. They were actually overproducing at one point. So it's just wild. The outages were concentrated in Texas as the grid was forced to shed load. So it was unable to keep pace with the spike in demand. So everybody was turning on their heaters, which normally in a winter in the South, you don't use heat often, maybe like a week or so, few days here and there. But everybody in the entire state was turning it on at the same time. And at one point, 
they had to turn off the power to 4 million people to save the grid from just complete collapse. And they're saying now that we were seconds away for like maybe three months of a blackout if they hadn't have just shut it down. All 200, I almost said 2,000, all 254 Texas counties were placed under a winter advisory warning, which is rarer than rare. We're talking Gulf Coast had snow. It is wild. And typically what would happen is a cold front hits one area of Texas. Texas is bigger than countries. It's huge. So normally they just plan for when it hits this area, the other areas are going to make up for it. But they couldn't do this this time around. And then because of the icy roads and the no plows and the no salt, they couldn't get equipment to them to service them. So it was just perfect storm. And it's also not illegal or mandatory in Texas to weatherize or maintain your equipment. They feel that the incentive is profit. So they just assume that you're going to want to keep everything up to date in weatherized so that you make money. But none of that is illegal to not regulate any of this. So here's the biggie biggie. (laughs) Texas is a standalone power grid that is deregulated. So not all of Texas. If you look at the map, a little bit at the top in the panhandle and then a little bit to the west is not part of ERCOT. But almost the entirety of the state is. It's a competitive pricing market, meaning it trades on supply and demand. Companies are trying to bring the cheapest form of energy to the market, which can come at the expense of building, you know, out of more reliable infrastructure systems. So it's definitely profit over people. They don't necessarily update because they're trying to keep it as cheap as possible. Quote, Texas has chosen to operate its power grid as an island, noted Rice University's Cohen, which means that the state can't import power from other states when it's most needed. He added that this also impacts the country in the fall and spring when Texas is overproducing power and we can't share it with anybody else. That was the other thing is say like when we were in Arkansas, if something happened, other states could come to our aid and give us their excess power. And then also people in a federal grid has to have a backup storage of energy and ERCOT doesn't do that. So there's not a amount of power somewhere just waiting for an emergency. Which is just dumb as shit. It's so dumb. (laughs) And then the severity of the storm was underestimated especially by ERCOT. Ahead of the inclement weather, ERCOT estimated how much power it would need under various scenarios, but the reality exceeded anything even in their most extreme forecast. Earlier, they said for three weeks that this was going to happen, and it's just another instance of people not listening to science. Like, it was just a bunch of people being like, this never happens, it can't happen, when the numbers were there. Like, the meteorologists, everybody was like, this is going to be really bad, and it's just a whole lot of a, eh, will chance it. That's ridiculous. Matt Breidert, a portfolio manager at Ecofin, called Texas Grid a Wild West market designed based on short run prices. If Texas had been connected to a broader grid, it might have had a more stable resource portfolio to handle this event. There's also this idea of do they ever have something like this in the past they could have learned from and prepared from? Yes, they did. In 2011, there was a snow ice storm similar to this. It wasn't as widespread over the whole state, but it was devastating. And after that, all the experts told everybody, you have to update this. You have to have weatherized you know, options. It was the same thing. It, it froze gas wells. It affected coal plants and wind turbines, leading power outages across the state. A decade later, nothing was done. There was a couple of places. So El Paso, for example, was left without power and water in 2011. 
after their power station froze. So officials made several critical decisions after that storm. Like one is that all of their power equipment can now withstand temperatures of negative 10 degrees now. So they updated that. And then the panhandle also escaped, but they voted. There was one in 1989 too. So after that in the 90s, they voted they didn't want to be part of ERCOT because that was about the time that they were deregulating everything. And they're like, this could be... Hmm super bad for us we don't want a part of it so that's like amarillo so they opted out a long time ago so now they share a power grid with 14 other states so they also did very well during all this yeah i was gonna say that's actually really smart so Mm -hmm. okay okay but i mean in all fairness they are you know way up there and they're not like in the middle of the state so yeah places like us probably couldn't have joined that because we're (laughs) south central texas so aftermath People are still without power and water in a lot of the state. The majority of people, and I say majority, the millions of people got their power back. We got ours back Thursday of that week, but there's still hundreds of thousands of people that don't have power. Water, some people don't have water at all. People like us, we have a boil order because it's still, you know, cracks and pressures down. Biden did declare a Texas disaster really early on. So federal funding was sent and FEMA's here. Uh, they're delivering. I saw today that San Antonio got a massive truck of water from the federal government. They brought generators and blankets. One thing I could say is that the volunteer, like the grassroots on boots on the ground movement right now is incredible to watch. Yes. So they're going door to door doing welfare checks. There's businesses one of the restaurants in my town in Sakine actually like opened it up and handed out all their food that they had inside so like their eggs or milk and everything because all the grocery stores were out everything got just ransacked even today when I went to HEB there was barely anything on the shelves like they still can't catch up because none of the trucks could get here to restock anything until yesterday and today yeah. so it's been a wild yeah and i was so excited to see eggs and bread yesterday on the show <laughs> yeah yeah we like out one of our friends here has chickens so she was just like i got you but as far as like milk and stuff the bread aisle they were trying to stock it so they had to rope it off because people were trying to like dive in there and grab it it was insane so Biden said he is going to come to Texas, but he didn't want to go during the emergency because he didn't want to divert resources because him being president, he has to have security and stuff. So I know there were people online being like, why isn't he there? Well, he knew that the attention needed to be on Texas and not him. So I did kind of appreciate that. AOC, the queen, has raised nearly $5 million as of today for Texas Relief, despite Republicans literally blaming her in the state, which is beyond me. <laughs> I, I've been hearing and seeing people blaming her in the Green New Deal, which has not passed. So it's not what happened here. But yeah. And Beto, Lord help that man. He has just been amazing. He's He's been leading the boots on the ground effort. His Twitter is probably one of the best resources if you're in Texas and don't know how to get food or water or shower or if you want to give money and stuff. He... Whoever's running his Twitter, those people are posting things pretty much like every 30 minutes updates. Speaking of that, politicians, I think we all know by now that Ted Cruz fled to Mexico, blamed his kid. But then all this stuff came out, like the text message and stuff shows that it was a lie, that they were just cold. And then he left his poor little dog in the cold house. So that poor snowflake. Poor snowflake. Cornyn, who's the other senator, was completely radio silent. I didn't hear a peep out of that fucker until Merrick Garland's confirmation. He showed up to that. Nobody heard anything from him. Nobody knew where he was at. He wasn't tweeting. He wasn't 
offering any support. Attorney General Ken Paxton fled to Utah. That came out yesterday. So he also left the state. Abbott went on Fox News to blame windmills like some fucking Don Quixote bullshit. I don't know. I was just about (laughs) to make that reference. (laughs) I just, uh, like, I didn't have power, but I'd occasionally, like, catch something popping up, and I'd be like, that's what you're doing right now? Like, that that's what you chose to do with all your resources, is bitch about windmills? <sighs> so, it warmed up on Sunday. It was a fabulous 70, but people are still trying to pick up the pieces. By Monday, Texas, including myself, were also hit with astronomical energy bills, or estimates. Currently, we're dealing with that. In my case, or a lot of our cases, because of this weird market in Texas, like my energy is a distributor. They don't actually have power. So they had to buy the power. For last week, it was six cents a kilowatt hour. And then during the crisis, it went up to $9. And they were like, well, we had to buy it at $9. We gave it to you. You used it. We need that money back and we're going to get it back. It's not price gouging. It's supply and demand. This is what's going to happen. So they didn't bill us. They just gave us an estimate. Like, this is how it's going to work. And they're like, but we're kind and forgiving, lords. We're going to spread it out over a couple of years. So you'll barely notice it. And it's going to double our bill for three years. I'm still working on, like, how to report that. Because they haven't billed us. Because we could report it to the AG if they actually billed it. But they haven't done that yet. So they're being very uh, calculated with how they're doing this. Some people did get billed. There were people that had auto pay that it took out thousands, like tens of thousands out of their account and bankrupted them. So if you're in Texas, take off your energy bills off of auto pay right now. <laughs> Do it as fast as possible. And it is price gouging and it's illegal. That is illegal in Texas. And so is, you know, upping prices in a disaster. And this is a federal disaster. But they're just like, well, you used it. But in between power outages, of course, your house is dipping down to like 30 degrees. As soon as the power kicks on, it's going to work overtime to try to warm up. So we were just fucked. And we were talking, if we knew this was happening, we would have burned all our furniture before we turned anything on. For real. But That's we didn't absolutely know. ridiculous. Yeah. So it's it's like I get what they're telling. Like the email, like I understand what they're saying, but also... I don't understand how they expect us to foot that bill because it essentially breaks it up to even people like us that didn't have power. We're paying extra to pay for the people that kept their power. And I don't think that's very fair. Yeah. And and, uh, because even if we paid our normal price, our bill would still go up, you know, but we're like, we're cool with that. We use that power, but I don't think we should have to pay nine bucks a kilowatt hour. So we're still working on that. And hopefully... Hopefully, like, the death toll and everything doesn't keep going up. I'm really, I know they said that it could be a couple of weeks before we have a total, but it doesn't go up anymore. It shouldn't have been anything, but. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's it's absolutely needless death. Yeah. And it's just terrifying to think people are just freezing to death in their beds. It was scary. Do not recommend. No. Do not like. It was awful. Our government has been Republican, like the trifecta, like they have all the jobs in Texas for 20 something years. So what they voted on and the things they've initiated and deregulated, it is their fault. Like they made this perfect storm. And I think that's why they're blaming green energy so much, because there's no one else to blame but themselves. Exactly. Yeah. And Texas is also a very, 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 very gerrymandered state. 
and voter suppression is so rampant here because I kept hearing that too. Well, you voted for this. It's your fault. Ted Cruz only lost by 200,000 votes. That's very tight in Texas. And Texas is not a, you know, red or blue state. It's like a lot of registered voters didn't get to vote because they couldn't get to polls or polls were shut down. So that was the problem. So I would like to think that this would kind of urge people to think more progressively maybe in the future. Maybe we could have like a change, but people are already making excuses for everybody on all this stuff. So I don't really expect that. But I'm hoping this is a change because the profits over people, people died and that shouldn't be allowed to happen. Yeah, no. That's what I kept saying, like, when it accidentally went viral on Twitter for make, saying things about Ted Cruz, people are all like, what do you expect him to do? You're a public servant. I expect you to serve your public. That's all I want. Put a, put a sweatshirt on and shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, fucker, I got two on. Yeah. There was, they, they really thought they had something, some of those. I'm like, mm. although I will hand it to some people who are like, what do you want them to do? Like, change the weather? And I'm like, no, I want him to do his job. That's it. I was like, I don't even care if he sits in his goddamn office pretending to Google. Yeah. The bar is so low at this point. Just pretend you're working. I just want him to stay in the fucking state. I mean. Yeah. Or even in D.C. He can make phone calls from D.C. I don't care which office he's in. Yeah. But just be somewhere. He's got connections. His wife works for fucking Golden Sachs and stuff. Like, they know where the money's at. (laughs) Like... figure out how to get water to texas like figure it out yeah so that's fun or you know aoc not even from texas yeah more than our government well that's like here i mean you've heard of like the redneck arm uh navy redneck navy Mm -hmm. in louisiana that like during hurricane katrina like civilians would bring their boats and rescue people from their homes so like it's become like a like a statewide volunteer network I started following the like Shreveport chapter on Facebook here. Our mayor was like nowhere to be found during all of this, but like the redneck Navy was going around and taking supplies to the local like veterans home and the old people's homes, uh, nursing homes. That's what those called. Um, (laughs) I forgot words and stuff like that because I mean, the nursing homes, they were out of food. They were out of water. They didn't have power. They didn't have flowing water. They didn't have like adult diapers or wipes or anything for the um for them so like it wasn't until the snow started melting that they were like oh yeah we're gonna bring the national guard in to give you water and it's like we've been here for a week without anything yeah it was a lot of crickets down here but we we will persevere and just fingers crossed hurricane season takes it easy this year (laughs) anyway what you got (laughs) Before I go to what I've got for what has happened in the history of February, um, we just appreciate for those that are watching at home how pale I am that I actually look black and white right now. (laughs) Like I keep looking at the screen. I'm like, I look like I'm in black and white, but I'm not. What's the sun? What is the sun? Alabaster. (laughs) Whatever. Okay. So February. Short month, 28 days, 29 on a leap year, but we're not in a leap year. Are we in a leap year? No. Uh, I think that was last year, wasn't it? That was last year, yes. 28 days, short month, 
lot happened. So I am going to do a rapid fire breakdown of almost every day of the month because something happened almost every day of the month in history. Oh, cool. But it's all like very short. And I just like copy pasted and did not do further research beyond what I have on this sheet of paper. So strap it. <laughs> I'm strapped. All right. February <laughs> no, that- 1st, 1960. In Greensboro, North Carolina, four African-American students sat down and ordered coffee at a lunch counter inside a Woolworth store. They were refused service but did not leave. Instead, they waited all day. The scene was repeated over the next few days, with protests spreading to other southern states, resulting in the eventual arrest of over 1,600 persons for participating in sit-ins. Wow. Pretty cool. So powerful. Just right? like- Yes. I am like fascinated by the sit-ins. I, um, my dad knows someone who grew up in New York City when everything was still segregated. And he talked about dating a girl who, who is African-American. She participated in one of the sit-ins in New York at the time. And it was really fascinating to hear. And I'm always like fascinated. But Moving on, February 2nd, 1848, the war between the U.S. and Mexico ended with the signing of the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo. In exchange for $15 million, the U.S. acquired the areas encompassing parts or all of President, pre- well, words, <laughs> present day, California, Nevada, Utah, Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, Wyoming, and Texas. The treaty was ratified on March 10th, 1848. Oh, wow. February 3rd, 1870, the 15th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution was ratified, guaranteeing the right of citizens to vote regardless of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. So that's cool. Yeah. February 4th, 1985, 20 countries in the United Nations signed a document entitled Convention Against Torture and Other Cruel, Inhuman, or Degrading Treatment or Punishment. February 6th. These are all real big things. (laughs) I know. Like, there's so many things. Like, I was like, I'm just going to pick one or two. But then I would just kept scrolling. And I was like, holy crap. Holy crap. (laughs) February 6th, 1952. King George V of England died. Upon his death, his daughter, Princess Elizabeth, became Queen Elizabeth II, Queen of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Her actual coronation took place on June 2nd, 1953. Wow. Yeah, now she's longest reigning monarch ever. Yup. Did you see that prince? Uh, oh, fuck. What's his name? Is it Albert? No, wait. What's his name? Her husband. Shit. Charles? No. No, the husband. Fuck. What's his name? <laughs> it's- Fuck, what is wrong with me? Dion. <laughs> yes, Philip. Philip. Yeah, yes, he's, he's in the hospital. hospital. Yes. God. I know most people sure are giving. Said he's going to be there a few more days. Today they said he had an infection. Oh, okay. Oh, he's like 100, right? Yeah, or he's like nine? real old. He's like 99. Yeah. So next, February 8th, 1587, Mary Stuart, Queen of Scots, was beheaded at Fotheringay, England, after 19 years as a prisoner of Queen Elizabeth I. She became entangled in the complex political events surrounding the Protestant Reformation in England and was charged with complicity in a plot to assassinate Elizabeth. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. February 11th, 1990. 
In South Africa, Nelson Mandela, at age 71, was released from prison after serving 27 years of life sentence on charges of attempting to overthrow the apartheid government. Wow. In April 1994, he was elected president in the first all-race elections. That's incredible. Also on February 11th of 1847, American inventor Thomas Edison was born in Milan, Ohio. Throughout his lifetime, he acquired over 1,200 patents, including the incandescent bulb, phonograph, and movie camera. Best known for his quote, genius is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. I was about to say, uh, 99% stealing shit from things that you didn't come up with yourself. (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) Yeah, he's he's real in the... Don't uh, Google him and an elephant unless you want to have a real bad day. Excuse me? Yeah, he's the one that electrocuted the elephant. (gasps) I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Why did I include him? I forgot. (laughs) I I completely blocked that out. (sighs) February 12th, 1999, the impeachment trial of President Bill Clinton in the U.S. Senate ended. With the whole world watching via television, senators stood up one by one during the final roll call to vote guilty or not guilty. On Article 1, charging Clinton with perjury, 55 senators, including 10 Republicans and all 45 Democrats, voted not guilty. On Article 2, charging Clinton with obstruction of justice, the Senate split evenly, 54 and 50 against the president. With the necessary two-thirds majority not having been achieved, President Clinton was thus acquitted on both charges and served out the remainder of his term of office, lasting through January 20th of 2001. I vaguely remember that. I know I was like 15, but yeah, I remember seeing on TV I, and being like, whoa. Yeah, I remember watching it, but I just don't remember anything about it. Yeah. So many blowjob jokes. Right. Bless poor Monica Lewinsky. I, God bless her. She really was the first ever cyber bullied to the point yes. of like, she's even talked about it. Like she almost completed suicide. It was so bad. Yeah, it was awful. And like... Yeah, everything she had to endure, it was just terrible. I and know. I mean, and the fact that she's turned out to be such an incredible person that's like oh, She's wonderful. Up. Yeah, she's fantastic. Yes. So February 13th, 1945, during World War II in Europe, British and American planes began massive bombing raids on Dresden, Germany. A four-day firestorm erupted that was visible for 200 miles and engulfed the historic old city, killing an estimated 135,000 German civilians. Oh, my gosh. February 14th, 1929, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre occurred in Chicago as seven members of the Bugs Morin gang were gunned down by five of Al Capone's mobsters posing as police. Oh, shit. I forgot about that. Right. I had two. I was like, oh, I'm going to do something lovey-dovey because it's Valentine. And then I was like, nope, massacre. Uh. February 15th, 1820, Susan B. Anthony was born in Adams, Massachusetts, a pioneer in women's rights. She worked tirelessly for women's suffrage, um, the right to vote. And in 1872, she was arrested after voting illegally in the presidential election. She was commemorated in 1979 with the Susan B. Anthony dollar coin, thus becoming becoming the first American woman to have her image on a U.S. coin. Hopefully we'll have another one soon. I saw that they're working on replacing Hamilton, right? Yep. Yeah. I think maybe. I, wait. <laughs> oh, it might be Jackson. I think it's Jackson. Shows how much money I have that I don't remember who's on a $10 bill. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think it is Jackman. money. <laughs> Tubman replacing Jackman on the 20. Tubman. That's what it is. Where did I get mine? Jesus Christ. Um, I don't know. I learned something about Harriet Tubman that I am going to make a TikTok about. So when she was 15, one of the overseers was throwing a two pound weight at somebody and it she got in the way to save them and it hit her in the head and she that. had severe brain like she had trauma and she developed epilepsy and narcolepsy. Yep. So everything that she accomplished, I mean, she had a disability, but like during her blackout, she would have dreams that God was talking to her and telling her to save all these people. And I started thinking like, well, is she eligible for sainthood? But because she was enslaved and her religion was kind of a mixture of African and Protestant and Catholics and Episcopal and everything, she's not qualified because she wasn't officially Catholic because she wasn't. Yeah, which is ridiculous. I mean, give her a sainthood. But she was sainted through the Episcopals and she has a feast day. Awesome. Wish I had the date. Hold on. Marie fact-checked for me (laughs) because she's going to be a priest. Uh, her feast day is July 20th. Okay. So that's exciting. I, I was like, she deserves to be a saint, especially if she was talking to God. Because to me, I'm like, that seems like how you become a saint. Yeah. But what an incredible story, like, to be that badass. Right. To, like, be, like, the first woman to, like, lead a regiment and to never lose a person to yeah. just be such a bomb-ass human. But, like, also talk to God. I just thought that was super cool. <laughs> that is awesome. So I just have a few more. Okay. okay. So February 19th, 1942, internment of Japanese Americans began after President Franklin Roosevelt issued an executive order requiring those living on the Pacific Coast to report for relocation. Over 110,000 persons, therefore, shut down their businesses, sold off their property, quit school, and moved inland to the relocation centers. If you don't know, Arkansas had two centers. Uh, there was Rower and Jerome, I believe. Jerome, yeah. There is a documentary called Relocation Arkansas, which is an amazing documentary. A a woman from Arkansas whose mother was the mayor, I think, of Jerome did the documentary. And you should all watch it. It's amazing. It's very heart-wrenching. Oh, and yeah. uh, George Takei was one of the people, he and his family were... I think at Rower. They were at Rower, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, I'm a little fuzzy. Yeah. But yeah, like, you should definitely watch it. You should definitely look into George Takei's accounts of being at Rower. Like, it's Yeah, there's, so um, sad, you should but... be able to find it on YouTube, but they rededicated Rower 20, like 2015-ish, maybe? Yes. Um, And he did an amazing speech about it and yeah you should definitely check that out i wanted to go so bad but i just i couldn't get there yeah but uca when i was there you were there they actually had an exhibit at our mm-hmm. gallery that was drawings of children while they were at rower yep and that was probably the most gut-wrenching thing because it was just like them wanting to play and but all their photos are just like fences and barbed wire and just you know because they're drawing what they see and that's all they knew it's so sad yeah it's awful so (laughs) moving on from that (laughs) uh, february 20th 1962 astronaut john glenn became the first american launched into orbit 
traveling aboard Friendship 7, the Friendship 7 spacecraft, wow, words, Glenn reached an altitude of 162 miles, 260 kilometers, and completed three orbits in a flight lasting just under five hours. Glenn was the third American in space, preceded by Alan Shepard and Virgil Gus Grissom, who had each completed short suborbital flights. All of them had been preceded by Russian cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin, who was the first human in space, completing one orbit on April 12, 1961, a feat that intensified the already ongoing space race between the Russians and Americans. Glenn's successful flight showed that Americans had caught up and was followed in September 1962 by President John F. Kennedy's open call to land an American on the moon before the decade's end. February 22, 1956, in Montgomery, Alabama, 80 participants in the three-month-old bus boycott voluntarily gave themselves up for arrest after an ultimatum from white city leaders. Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks were among those arrested. Later in 1956, the U.S. Supreme Court mandated desegregation of the buses, which is huge. Yeah. Also on February 22nd, but no year given because she's ageless, Kina's mom was born. She was! (laughs) (laughs) Also in 1956. Oh, okay. Perfect. So February 23rd. Sorry, mama just gave out your age. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I was just going to leave it. (laughs) February 23rd of 1868, African-American educator and leader W.E.B. Du Bois was born in Great Barrington, Massachusetts. And then to round it all off, February 28th, 1968, an absolute legend was born. My dad. (laughs) Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, the legend. Who birthed a legend? (laughs) (laughs) Also, didn't Black... Yeah, Black History Month started out as a week. Yes. And then it turned into a month. But, yeah, it's such a... It's a good month to pick because there's just so many amazing parts of the civil rights movement that began or ended in February. That's Yeah, it's absolutely fascinating. And, like, I just... I mean, I just did, like, a rapid fire, but there was... (laughs) so much more like if i had picked every single thing just on like the articles that i found Mm -hmm. i would have had like i condensed it down to like two pages i would have had like six or seven pages yeah busy month for being the artist (laughs) i know yeah and i didn't even like look into leap year stuff like i just left it at 28 and wow yeah i didn't know that much stuff had happened thank you for blowing my mind. And I didn't want to make it all sad. Yeah. Now emails. Yay! I'll do Lauren. Woohoo! Hello, Lauren. And the title is My Badass Grandma is Historical AF. Ooh. I'm excited. So my grandma, Ethel Louise Jones Scheffler. What a cool name. I love her already. Also, I'm formerly a Jones, so we're all we're cool. Yes. She says she was a wasp. And no, not that kind you think, you heathens. <laughs> oh, she was a female pilot in World War II. I'm obsessed with them. Oh, yeah. 
After she got bit by the flying bug, she knew she could never go back to not flying. She went to Brazil where a friend set her up on a blind date. And then it says in parentheses, clearly not murder podcast in 1940s. <laughs> and she married the guy, Iris Smith Scheffler Jr., three weeks later. And then okay. it says, dot, 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 in Brazil, dot, 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 times were wild. <laughs> She was also the seventh woman in the world to get her helicopter ratings and one of the charter founding members of the Whirly Girls. She ended up raising her three daughters alone while working as a pilot. And to her dying day, she said that nothing she did was a special or important. Oh, I love her. I do too. So I got a link here. I have a new hero. What a legend for reals. Okay, here's her obituary. But yeah, it says in 1936, she saw an ad in the paper about sightseeing airplane rides given by the Hunter brothers. She spent a dollar on that first flight and always remembered seeing the fields and the corn being detasseled from above. After a single flight, she said, I got bit by that bug. When I got down, there was no way they could keep me on the ground. She she worked several jobs to save money for flight lessons and took her first lesson on July 23rd, 1942. When the Women Air Force Service Pilots were formed a year later, she had already logged 173 flight hours. She applied wow. and was accepted into WASP training, paid her way to Sweetwater, Texas, and arrived in Anger Field, Avenger, not Anger, <laughs> I can't read, Avenger Field in December of 1943 as a member of the WASP training class of W-5. After completing seven months of Army Air Force flight training, Ethel and 71 of her classmates graduated and earned their silver WASP wings. Oh, man, that is fascinating oh what a cool person it says a little bit more uh she would log over 500 hours in the next year at that time she would have flown b13s at6s at10s and uc78s oh wow what that's impressive that's amazing anybody she uh, worked as a flight instructor and a charter pilot at airfields in illinois new jersey and tennessee she was a role model for many aspiring pilots, male and female, who continue on as professional as well as recreational pilots. And then it talks about her getting married in Brazil. It was in the 50s. She became the seventh one in the world to obtain her helicopter rating. Traditional expectations restricted her ability to fly openly, but she still flew secretly like a badass she is. Heck yes. She wrote a piece she called Homesick Angel about feeling stranded from her passion flight. In 1960, she threw off the bonds of tradition and returned to flying full-time as a chief instructor and charter pilot while raising her three daughters. Wow. She also worked at a printing shop to support the family. Quote, she used her skill, passion, and free access to planes to teach her daughter to fly. In fact, we were not allowed to get our driver's license until we had her pilot's license. That is amazing. Oh, my God. How cool is that? At the age of 83, with over 25,600 flight hours, she moved to Appleton, Wisconsin to be closer to her daughter. Over her times as a pilot and an adventurer, she flew to 49 states, all but Hawaii, and traveled to seven continents. Wow. She died on June 5th, 2018, surrounded by family. Oh, good. Not that she died, but that she had family there. She was also an active Girl Scout leader, 4-H leader, and volunteered at the local mental health facility. Shut up. I Shut love her. Front door. I have a new idol. I, I like 100%. Like, if you could, like, send me a picture, I'm hanging her up in my dining room. 
She donated her body to the Medical College of Wisconsin to contribute to the knowledge and skills of doctors. Oh, my gosh. I love her. (laughs) Holy crap, Lauren. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing your grandma with us. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to go cry now. That was amazing. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That was incredible. I want to be her when I grow I, up. I like I don't even know what to say. Like I'm just <sighs> man, that she's she's definitely that's the type of grandma that like I think of when I think of that quote about somebody doesn't really die until you say their name for the last time and like I really hope that no one ever says her name for the last time. Absolutely. Cheers she to you. monuments. Yes. All right, so let me see, let me pick one. I'm going to go with Myra Bad Date because I asked for bad dates. Yes. (laughs) So, and I was really excited when you said that this email came in or this message came in. So, bad date. This is from Myra. Bad date, four hours of Tetris in silence. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds wonderful. Okay. Hello. Hello. I am in love with your podcast and I'm still catching up, but I need to tell my bad dating story because like I have an entire podcast about bad dating stories. Dating apps suck at apps suck pod. Shameless plug. I, as soon as we're done here, I'm going to that. Writing that down. Yes. (laughs) It's super long, girl, we don't care, but I'm going to tell the entire thing because the background is honestly the best part. (laughs) So I'm a junior in college and I've yet to be in a relationship. Lame. I know. JK, JK, not really. Girl, that is not lame at Uh, all. Nope. You do you. But it took me a while to come to terms with my sexuality. That's okay. So my first crush since my disastrous crush on a girl in freshman year of high school was last year. I fell incredibly infatuated with this guy in my friend group and being my impatient as hell self, after a month-long Snapchat streak with him, I decided to ask him out. Can I just say I'm really glad Snapchat was not a thing when I was dating? Right? (laughs) So glad I dodged that bullet. (laughs) Of course, I couldn't ask him out like a normal person, though. I had to make this an operation. So I got with my two best friends and I was like, here's the deal. We all go to dinner as a group like we do every night. And since we walk back to the dorms, just me and him alone together every night, I'm going to ask him then. But instead of you guys, my two best friends, getting on the bus when you leave, go hide in the library. That way, after I ask him, I can fill you you in and we can go get ice cream because I'm going to need ice cream. Girl, I, (laughs) you, me, soulmates. Either celebratory ice cream or disappointed ice cream. Either way, I'll need it. Yes. I am, I'm loving this so far. We carried out the plan, me literally shaking as I asked him. I ended my little speech with, but feel free to think about it and get back to me later. Are you? Are you, are you not the same person? I was about to say that. <laughs> I really, did I write this? Is, is my name Myra? <laughs> or Mira. I might be saying that wrong. If I'm saying that wrong, I'm sorry. Clearly, I didn't think things through as well as I thought because he took me up on that option and I ended up with Schrodinger's ice cream. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> Excellent reference, Right? (laughs) Very excellent. I love a good Schrodinger's reference. Anyway, a few hours later, he Snapchatted me and was like, that sounds great. So I had a date. We planned it for that Sunday, an arcade date. 
So for the next few days, I was on top of the world. Then in the group chat, group chat, we shared people started talking about how to flirt. The joking consensus was the best way to flirt was to go up to someone and shout flirt in their face. <laughs> Valid. So I decided that would be a cute inside joke. And I Snapchatted him flirt, hoping he'd say it back. He didn't. Oh, so no. he just ignored the comment entirely. That was the first bad sign. So then the day of the date. This was over a year ago, and young, naive me didn't know how to have a conversation. I picked him up, and we drove to the arcade, making forced conversation. I don't know why it was so much easier over text, but things just got worse. We played Tetris in silence for four hours. God, I, oh, I swear no. I, I've been on this date. Just uh, feeling it. So finally, the arcade closed, and rather than let the miserable day end, I pathetically asked, you want to go get food or something? He was like, no, nah, I'm fine, then took pity on me and was like, maybe a smoothie? So we went to get smoothies. Cue another hour, half hour of forced conversation until I dropped him off and went home. I got home and lied to myself like, that went okay. 30 minutes later, he was like, let's not do that again. <laughs> it was a good call. Anyway, thanks for the amazingly fun stories you share. Millie. <laughs> Millie, you and I, same person. I I think so. Have oh, to be. There's no way. It's kismet because that is like 100% a date I've been on. <laughs> Except it was silent Chinese food and he wouldn't put down his knife. <laughs> and when I asked him, are you going to put your knife down or are you going to stab me? He said, I haven't decided yet. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm out. <laughs> and we're done here. That was majestic. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. And we will check out your podcast. And we love shameless plugs. Yes, we're here for it. All right, I'm going to do Max. Yes. Okay. So this is titled Big Nose George. Hello, love listening to your podcast. I keep hearing y'all asking for some history. I live in Rollins, Wyoming. Short version, this cattle wrestler was caught. He tried to escape from jail in our town. The townspeople formed a lynch mob and hanged him. The skin Yikes. was made into shoes that a governor wore for their inauguration, and his skull cap was turned into a doorstop and later returned when a professor realized what it was. It's an interesting story, maybe interesting enough to make it on your podcast. Thanks for listening. Max, I dug a little deeper because I glanced at this one. So I found a little bit more on this, and it, holy shit. Okay. Uh, his name is George Parrott, also known as George Franson Warden, George Manus, and Big Nose George. And he was infamous for not only being hanged as an outlaw, but also for being the only man in American history who became a pair of shoes after being an outlaw. So, I mean, I guess that's something. After the skullcap was crudely sawed off, the doctors examined it and found no marked differences between his brain and a quote-unquote normal one. Okay. Yikes. Though Dr. McGee and his assistant Heath acted with the medical ethics of the time, this was quote-unquote normal at this time, Dr. Osborne's activities soon began to get very bizarre. So Osborne first molded a death mask out of plaster of Paris. The mask was without ears because, I'm sorry for this, 
He struggled at the end of the rope and his ears tore off. <gasps> Sorry about it. Next, moving on. <laughs> Osborne removed the skin from his thighs and chest. When the doctor sent it to a tannery in Denver with a set of very strange instructions, the tannery was to use the skin, including the dead man's nipples, to make a pair of shoes and a medicine bag. Okay, Ed Gein. Right? Fucking nipple belt. When Dr. Mm -hmm. Osborne received his shoes, he was disappointed to find that they did not include said nipples, but proudly began to wear them anyway. Do you? Okay, I <laughs> questions. So, okay, I have, I have questions. Was he expecting the the nipples to be like points on the ends of the toes of the shoes, or kind of like upwards, kind of like the pennies and penny loafers? I was thinking the tip of the shoe, kind of like an elf shoe. It goes up or something. Oh, yeah. That's kind of what I was envisioning, but I wish I wasn't envisioning yeah. anything at all. I know. I wish I didn't have the image in my head, but now it's there and I'm speculating. <laughs> yeah, maybe he was the inspiration for Ed Gein. That maybe that would make sense. Yeah, that would make sense. So the rest of his body was dismembered and kept in a whiskey barrel filled with salt solution for about a year. Like, this is horrific. Like, I know. Yeah. Like, I'm reading a book now about books, like, bound in human skin. And instead of it being, like, weird people, it was all doctors. Doctors were just doing this shit. Like, it was nothing. I, I don't know. Osborne continued the to dissect and experiment for a time until he finally decided to bury the rest of him in the backyard behind his office. Despite Yikes. the doctor's odd behavior in the desecration of George Parrott's body, he soon became a prominent <laughs> prominent in local politics. In 1892, the doctor was elected as the first Democratic governor of the state of Wyoming and was said to have worn the shoes at the inaugural ball in 1893. Which in 1892, I was trying to look this up. I'm pretty sure the Democratic Party has switched a couple of times since then. So I'm trying yep. not to claim him because I know there were some major shifts in uh, parties. But I'm just going to assume for my own well-being that we do not share. We're just going to pretend. Uh, he later would become the Assistant Secretary of State under President Wilson. Yeah. Somewhere along the line, the skullcap was given to a young Miss Health. Oh, Health. I think I said Heath earlier. Whoops. Who would later become the first female doctor in the state of Wyoming. So that's kind of cool. Over the years, a skull was used to be an ashtray and then a doorstop in her office. Let's that is very up. Ed Gain. That is. The incident was all but forgotten until May 11th, 1950, when construction workers excavated <laughs> a new building, unearthed the whiskey barrel, and surprise, body parts. Ugh. Inside the barrel was human bones, including a skull with the top sawed off. In no time, as a crowd gathered to look at the grisly remains, someone remembered, oh, hey, Dr. Lillian Heath. Well, this says Heath. I copy and paste it. Anyway, one of those had kept the skull cap well, well into her 80s. She was still alive and was immediately contacted. When her husband brought the skull cap to the scene, it perfectly fit the skull in the barrel and they knew it was old, old, big nose George. And then they also DNA and they knew. Today, the Carbon County Museum in Rawlings, Wyoming, proudly displays his death mask, his skull, and the shoes. Also on display is a watch given to the county commissioners to Rosa Rankin for having stopped Big Nose George from escaping from jail in 1881. The museum is one of the biggest attractions in the city. The shackles that were used on him during the hanging and the skull cap are on display at the Union Pacific Museum in Omaha, Nebraska. 
to this day, the medicine bag made out of the tan skin has never been found. That's Yikes. probably in someone's attic somewhere. Oh, absolutely. But like human skin that is tanned, unless you know what you're looking for, it looks very similar to animals. Yeah. It's not like giant human pores or anything. So like somebody could probably have that and not realize that they have a human. Gross. Yikes. 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 Big yikes. Yikes Big on bikes. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yikes hard lemonade. <laughs> well, alrighty then. Let me pick one. Let's go with Andrea. When my girlfriend passed, we all knew my younger Nope, that's grandfather, not girlfriend. I'm sorry. When my grandfather passed, we all knew my younger cousin would receive his pocket watch. The watch was nowhere to be found. My grandma and my grandpa were best friends with another couple for their whole lives. After grandpa passed, said couple still took care of my grandma for 15 to 20 years. Then the wife of the other, other couple passed. That left my grandma and my uncle grandpa. Uh, they still went and did everything together. Gambling, Europe, Mexico, etc. Uncle, we're going to say Uncle GP because that's what the initial saying. It's weird saying Uncle Grandpa. Uncle GP even remodeled my grandma's kitchen, top to bottom, new cabinets, etc. Uncle GP had a beautiful elk tooth ring that he wore every day. Then five to ten years later, when Uncle GP passed, all of his jewelry was on the nightstand next to him except the ring. No one can find it to this day. Two weeks after his passing, my grandma was in her kitchen making tea, reached for her favorite cup, and next to the cup, something was sticking out. So she tugged on it, and it was the original leather strap attached to my grandfather's grandfather's pocket watch. Oh, whoa. Dude, that's kind of cool, though. Yeah. Oh, I love signs like that. Right. That's fascinating. That's so heartwarming. There's like so much stuff of my grandma's that I wish I could have gotten when she died that like her husband kept from us. So like I love when people get things passed down. All right. I'm going to do a super short but good one. All right. So Short But Cool by Kayla. My great, 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 maybe a few more greats, not 100% sure. Grandpa on my grandma's side came to Canada because he tried to assassinate the Tsar of Russia and failed. So he was smuggled to Canada in a coffin, and that's it. <laughs> Kayla, I need so much more information. I have so many questions. Which Tsar? Yes. Like the last Tsar of Russia? I mean, that's like Tsar of Russia. Like what? Can you imagine getting smuggled into another country in a coffin? Like, how badass. Were there air holes in the coffin? Oh, I hope so. Well, I mean, the family line continued, so I'm assuming he survived. Well, I mean, like, was there, like, an oxygen tank in the coffin? Or, like, air holes? Or, like, were there, like, periodic stops where he could, like, open the coffin to get more air? I wonder if I can Google this. (laughs) Escape. Escape. Canada. <laughs> Surprisingly, that did not work. <laughs> like assassination to Tim Well, I mean, there were so many assassin- assassination attempts. Well, ma'am, sir, or they be, please 
ask all the questions and get back to us. Yes, please, please, and thank you. Please and thanks. All right, let me open. I will also do a short one. I will do hope. Okay. I have hope. Okay, hope. I already love this because it just starts with y'all in all caps. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) How I enter rooms. Y'all. My grandma's father, my great-grandfather, was a butcher in the 40s. He ran the front of the store and was a butcher for as long as my grandma can remember. Who owned the butcher shop, you asked? Oh, no. Wow. That's a name I don't know how to say. Joe Bonanno. He was the head of the Bonanno crime family in New York. Oh. Oh. They were a huge mafia family back in the day. (laughs) My grandma remembers Mr. Bananas, what she called him, coming to the house at the end of every week to collect the butcher shop's weekly earnings from my great-grandfather. My grandma had no idea that Mr. Bananas was a crime boss till way later in life. We still don't know why my great-grandfather worked there or if he was some part of the criminal activity. I love this. <gasps> Grandma's got secrets. Grandma's <laughs> secrets. I, like, I came from farmers. I, why couldn't my family be in the mafia? Oh, I just Googled it. The, the banana crime family is one of five families that controlled organized crime in America within the nationwide phenomenon known as the mafia. What? That's awesome. What? I mean, like. Like, I'm sure, like, the mafia is <laughs> bad and all that. But, like, it's so cool. I'm fascinated. I recently found out one of my students was doing a research prof, uh, pro- project. That's that's a word. Um, <laughs> research project at work about the mafia's involvement in the building of the casinos in Shreveport. Oh, cool. And, like, the some part of, like, Baton Rouge. I was fascinated. I had no idea that this was a thing. I'm going to do more research on it and I will probably end up talking about it here on this podcast at some point, but it it blew my mind. And like I brought it up to one of my student workers from Baton Rouge and she was like, oh yeah, so-and-so family. They're totally like mob. And I was like, excuse me? What? <laughs> what? Yeah, it's a whole thing apparently. Oh, we could do like a bonus episode just on that. Yes. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask some more questions. I just like I was a little afraid to ask questions. <laughs> oh my god! In the 1960s, the family went into civil war, and it was called the Banana Split by the media. <laughs> oh my god! I'm sure I'm sure people died, but like, oh yeah. Sorry about the death, but man, that's a good name. That is a good name. I really. Ooh. You know, like, I hate the media sometimes, but, like, I really appreciate the media sometimes. 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 Wow. That's like a full-ass mob family. That's that's, that's intense. Awesome. Man. Where are you at, grandparents? Uh. <laughs> right? I mean, like, I, my family's got some good stories from, like, being farmers, but, like, they're not crime families. That's true. I've been, like, fascinated by mobsters and gangsters and everything ever since. Like, I kind of was before from, like, growing up in Arkansas, so close to Hot Springs. But Oh, yeah. You were, like, right next to gangster capital of the world. (laughs) Yeah, like, eating ice cream on downtown Hot Springs next to the Al Capone statue and, like, all that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Syphilis tour. 
But yeah, like those stories were great. Like this was a really good batch of stories. It was. If you guys want to send one in a story in for March, that's historicallyapod at gmail.com. Wow. Any St. Patrick's Day stories? I don't know. Ooh. I don't know. I, don't know. I just like Irish, Irish stories. Irish stories. I'm still reeling that my ancestry DNA says I'm not as Irish as I was led to believe my entire life. Same. I'm way more English. I thought I was more Irish. I am more Scottish and Welsh than uh, English than anything. Well, thanks everybody for listening and we'll see you next month. Yes. Okay, bye. Bye.